I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hi, I'm Madigan, and you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, a podcast that explores the world through a personal feminist perspective. Hello, hello, everybody. I hope that you've all been having a wonderful week. I hope that you enjoyed the first week of Women's History Month. Um, as you all know, Black History Month is not for a full four weeks, so it always kind of goes into the month of March for your angry neighborhood feminist, but there will still be four episodes in regards to Women's History Month as well. And without fully giving away the topic of this week's full-length episode, it's interesting because a lot of the discussion for today's mini-episode actually really ties into the full-length episode, which is going to be interesting. I want to apologize also before I go too much further into this episode that I'm a little bit congested. Um, I think I've got a little bit of allergy stuff going on kind of in my nose, throat, area. So I'm doing my best to keep myself clear, but uh, if I sound a little bit congested, that's why. Also, before I get into the topics of today's news episode, I wanted to remind you all again that there are two episodes now available on the Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist Patreon's Angry Feminist Book Club. So if you haven't joined the fun already, please go to patreon.com slash angry neighborhood feminist or click on the link in the show notes or in the bio on the Instagram page to join all of the book club fun. I really like that I've gotten some comments on the most recent episode on the Patreon app. I think it's a really cool way for us to communicate together about our thoughts and feelings on the episode, the book, so 
on and so forth. And I'm really, really excited to be working on on the first episode for March's book, which is Women Talking by Miriam Taves. And I highly recommend that you all go grab a copy of the book, listen to it in audiobook form. It's really, really fantastic. I'm also going to be watching the movie this week to prepare for that episode. I think it's going to be a really, really fun book to discuss. But I also really, really want your thoughts and input, particularly for the second episode that will come out this month regarding the book. I really want to know what you think of the story, the characters, any discussion topics that you want me to discuss in the episode, so on and so forth. So it can really be a community effort with this book club. Also, if there are any books that you really want me to cover in future months, please let me know. You can email me, DM me. Y'all know how to get in touch with me at this point, right? Anyway, it's been so much fun going on this new Patreon adventure. I'm really enjoying how much I've been reading again. I've been doing a lot more reading in between reading and note-taking, particularly for the book club as well. So I'm really, really enjoying that. And I love broadening my mind and learning about more authors that I wasn't as aware of as before. Okay, now that I'm done with that, I don't think there's anything else that I like have to remind you of right at the top of the show. So let's get into today's topics. The first thing I want to talk about is the abortion pill and pharmacies. Walgreens says it will not be selling the abortion pill mifepristone in the 20 states that have threatened legal consequences if they did so. Federal regulators intended to make mifepristone more available to pharmacies back in January, but it seems like this might not spread as far and wide as hoped. It's always important to have the facts, so let's talk a bit about the history of mifepristone and the FDA. It was first approved back in 2000 and was used in combination with a drug called misoprostol, which when used together ends a pregnancy up to 10 weeks. Mifepristone dilates the cervix and blocked a hormone needed for pregnancy, and misoprostol would be taken a day or two later to start contractions to expel what's inside the uterus. For more than 20 years, the FDA had limited the dispensing of mifepristone to only specialty offices and clinics due to the safety concerns, but that was all changed this year. In today's day and age, more than half of abortions are performed with the pill rather than traditional procedure, which is proving its safety and effectiveness. And now as abortion access dwindles, the FDA has repeatedly eased its restrictions and expanded access. In 2021, the FDA lifted the restriction which made it mandatory for an in-person visit before getting the pill and also permitted the pill to be shipped by mail-order pharmacies. In the days of lockdown, this was a godsend. But for most of 2020, I remember the topic of abortion being something very much in the presence of the minds of anyone with a uterus who was concerned about uh, how to take care of an unwanted pregnancy during lockdown. Now they've gone even further by loosening restrictions, allowing pharmacies to begin dispensing the drug once they undergo certification to do so. Usually an FDA decision goes unchallenged, but of course the GOP and anti-abortion advocates have begun to fight back against the corporation. More than a dozen states now have broad abortion restrictions and many restrictions on the pill specifically. You want to come here, Dorothy? Dorothy wanted to join me, so here she is. Do you have something to say about abortion access, Dorothy? She licked my face. <laughs> in February, 20 attorneys general and conservative-led states sent CVS and Walgreens a letter warning that they could face legal repercussions if they sold abortion pills by mail in their states. 
Walgreens responded by agreeing not to dispense the pill in those 20 states and stated that it does not plan to dispense the drug by mail either. Walgreens will, however, be dispensing the drug where it is legal to do so and is beginning its certification processes there. Thankfully, many independent pharmacies are working to combat this by becoming certified to dispense the pills, which would be considered a personal business decision based partly on state laws, but not wholly on state laws. There have been multiple lawsuits both attempting to prevent access and those working to gain access. One lawsuit filed back in January was filed by abortion rights advocates, which challenged abortion pill restrictions in North Carolina and West Virginia. In a November 2022 lawsuit, an anti-abortion group filed a federal suit in Texas seeking to revoke the approval of mifepristone. They claimed in the lawsuit that the FDA hadn't received adequate evidence of safety when they approved the drug over 20 years ago. A federal judge could rule in this suit any time now, and it would determine if mifepristone could be removed from the U.S. market. That is terrifying. Thankfully for my state of California, our governor ain't taking this shit lying down. Governor Gavin Newsom released a statement that the state of California will cease its business relationship with Walgreens. Newsom announced in a tweet, which I say this every time, I think it's so strange that politicians now like make their announcements through tweets. I guess it's much simpler than like trying to get a news station or someone else to like record the statements that you're going to make. But it still seems so strange to me to make such like official declarations via social media. It's just I don't know. What world do we live in? (laughs) Anyway, he tweeted, California won't be doing business with Walgreens or any company that cowers to the extremists and puts women's lives at risk. We're done. Walgreens has not responded to Newsom's tweet. This was the only proper response during Women's History Month. Thanks, Gavin. Though I do wish he would have used more inclusive language as more people than just women have uteruses. On Wednesday, he announced that California is pulling back a renewal of a $54 million contract with Walgreens that would have taken effect in May 2023. A senior director at Walgreens responded to this news by saying they were deeply disappointed with the announcement and that the decision not to renew the contract was made from false and misleading information. California State Attorney General Rob Bonta issued a statement Wednesday slamming the GOP officials saying, Medication abortion is safe, effective, and serves as a lifeline for people in need of critical care, especially those from vulnerable and underserved communities. I am disappointed that Walgreens has decided to give in to political pressure from anti-abortion states and cut off access to these necessary and life-saving medications. I'm really, really proud of Governor Gavin Newsom for taking this step in fighting for abortion rights. I think that that is a really big statement coming from a politician to be ending what I think is probably a pretty important business relationship with Walgreens. And I was really thinking about this because I'm sure that, you know, as a huge business incorporation, Walgreens was thinking that they should just imply that the best decision for them would be to comply with whatever the laws are in certain areas. And in a way, I get it. They're like protecting their business. But I also think that it really does take these big gestures and statements from these giant corporations to be able to take a stand and make a difference. I think it would have been so powerful for Walgreens to be able to stand tall and be like, no, we believe in dispensing adequate medication for those who need it and who are able to take it. 
I think that it can lead to such a slippery slope. I don't think that the government should be deciding which medications and drugs we should and shouldn't be taking. That should be a decision between a person and their doctor and their pharmacist, and that is it. I think that it's really unfair to be putting pharmacists and pharmacies at risk because of these laws as well when they are just trying to help their patients. The whole point of their job... (laughs) But I am really glad that these small business pharmacies are going to be doing what they can in order to help support the people with uteruses in their communities to be able to access the health care that they so desperately need. But my concern with that as well is that if Walgreens, this giant corporation, crumbles at the feet of the GOP, Is it going to be that much more difficult for small businesses to be able to do that as well? They don't have the money, the funding, the backing, the the support to be able to fight some of these really powerful people who are fighting against abortion. But thankfully, my second topic of the day perfectly flows from what we were just discussing, and that is the creation and testing of a male birth control pill. Along similar lines, there has been an experimental drug created by Weill Cornell Medical Investigators, which temporarily stops sperm in its tracks. The authors of this are doctors Joshin Buck and Lonnie Levin. Buck and Levin were buddies, and Levin challenged Buck to work with a specific important cellular signaling protein, SAC, which had long eluded biochemists. This is like the nerdiest bet ever, and I love it. It took Buck two years, but then the two began shifting their research to studying SAC together and merged their labs. Nerd besties forever! Why do I think this is so cute? Well, what they discovered together was that when mice were insufficient in SAC, they became infertile. Then in 2018, Dr. Melanie Balbach, who also worked for the lab, discovered that mice given the drug that inactivates SAC production produces sperm that cannot propel itself forward. In fact, a single dose of the SAC inhibitor, TD11861, immobilizes mice sperm for up to two and a half hours. After about three hours, the mice's sperm became more mobile again, and within 24 hours, they were swimming away as usual. There were 52 mating attempts in this study, and no little mousy pregnancies occurred. It was 100% successful in mice. Their inhibitor works within 30 minutes to an hour, when previous experimental male contraceptives would take weeks to bring sperm count down or render them unable to fertilize eggs. The effects from these past experiments also took weeks to wear off as well, where the new study shows fast reversal. Dr. Melanie says, Men would take it only when and as often as needed. They could allow men to make day-to-day decisions about their fertility. The team is now working on an SAC inhibitor more suitable for the use of humans, thankfully. If the drug development and clinical trials go as well as hoped, Dr. Levin says he hopes to one day walk into a pharmacy and hear a young man ask for the male birth control pill. Male birth control in a post-Roe world would be life-changing for those of us who fear unwanted pregnancies, and I only hope that the GOP and other anti-abortion activists won't fight against its creation and distribution as they have with the abortion pill. It really just seems like such a slippery slope. If we are going to be controlling abortion and abortion pills, our contraceptives next— It just seems like everything in this world just keeps moving further and further backward, and every time we lose one right, I just have to worry about a handful of more going away as well. I was also seeing some articles of people being like, will you trust men to actually take this pill? And you know what? I feel like yes. I feel like for the most part, 
men are pretty fucking scared of getting someone pregnant as well. So I feel like everybody, for the most part, wants to be able to have control over their lives and their bodies. And I think that it's really amazing that men can have the control to do that as well, when that's never been a possibility before, other than wearing condoms, which are not 100% effective against pregnancy, though they are very helpful for protecting against STDs. So wrap it up, everybody. All right, before I move on to the final topic of today's episode, let's listen to a few sponsors. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hey, I'm back. All right, so this next one was a listener suggestion, and I'm so very, very glad that they pointed this out to me because I didn't see it on my own. There is a woman by the name of Marianne Williamson who will be running for president in 2024. She was also one of the many, many, many people who decided to run for president during 2020. And I don't even remember her because literally there was like a hundred people on the list of Democrats who wanted to run for president that year. So let's learn a little bit about her and see if it might be someone that we're going to want to root for. Marianne is a fellow Cancer whose birthday is just one day before mine on July 8th, and she was born in 1952. She is an American author, spiritual leader, and political activist who had been a frequent guest on The Oprah Winfrey Show. She is the founder of Project Angel Food, a volunteer food delivery program that serves homebound people with HIV AIDS and other life-threatening illnesses, and is the co-founder of Peace Alliance, a nonprofit education and advocacy organization. She was raised in Houston, Texas by a World War II veteran father who worked as an immigration lawyer and a mother who was a community volunteer. Growing up, she was raised in conservative Judaism, which sounds like a negative, but from what I read on Wikipedia, it actually sounds like a pretty progressive form of Judaism as it's open to flexible interpretations of the religious texts. 
Her family taught her about world religions and social justice at home, but she first grew the motivation to speak on her beliefs when she heard her rabbi speaking against the Vietnam War. She was incredibly popular in the 1990s and decided to join the ministry of the Church of Today, which is a unity church in Warren, Michigan. Now, this made my cult-aware ears perk up, so I had to do a little bit of digging. But I think we're in the clear. The church grew out of an organization founded by Charles and Myrtle Fillmore in 1889 out of the Transcendentalism Movement and became part of the New Thought Movement. Transcendentalism's core belief is the inherent goodness of people and nature, and while society and its institutions have corrupted the purity of the individual, people are at their best when they are truly self-reliant and independent. They believe in a divine experience in the everyday rather than a distant heaven, which is something that's always really spoken to me. I think I've mentioned this a few times on the show before, but um, I used to work for this actress model who was really big in like the 90s and 2000s and she is in a cult called msia and before i knew it was a cult and she was just like telling me about this you know religion and her beliefs she did say something that really resonated with me and it was the belief that god is within ourselves it isn't something that is external that we have to ask for help and pray to is something that we can find internally and have peace with from within ourselves. And I've always really identified with things like that. I've always really identified, especially with the line in The Wizard of Oz where Glinda says, you've always had the power. And the fact that there would be some external power that had control over me was scary to me. Sin was scary. You know, there's so much about the Catholic Church that I really, really disagree with and Christianity as far as, you know, sin and damnation go. So the fact that all of it is within me really gave me the power to find more self-reliance and comfort within myself and trusting my own intuition and gut, though I do not agree with joining her stupid fucking cult, whose leader was a sexual predator and fucking creep. The New Thought Movement combines its wisdom and philosophy from a variety of ancient origins such as ancient Greek, Roman, Egyptian, Chinese, Taoist, Vedic, Hindu, and Buddhist cultures. They hold that God is everywhere, the true human selfhood is divine, and so on and so forth. As a pastor, she had 2,300 congregants and filmed her sermons to reach 50,000 television viewers. She resigned from her ministry in 2003. In terms of social justice, Marianne wonders why so many people in the richest country in the world have to constantly transcend material conditions that are so unnecessary. She ran an unsuccessful campaign for the U.S. House of Representatives in 2014, and like I said, ran for president in 2020. She is now working toward a run for presidency in 2024, so here are some of her views. She supports the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, supports Social Security insurance and sex education in the disabled communities. She supports free tuition at public colleges, community colleges, and trade schools, and she also supports radical reduction to loan debts and total forgiveness of college loan debt. She supports paid leave, pay equality, and government support for child care services, as well as a universal basic income. She supports gun control and wants to eliminate the sale of assault rifles and semi-automatic weapons, as well as other gun things I don't understand. She supports the ideas of Medicare for All and supports treating drug addiction as a mental health issue and decriminalizing drugs. 
She supports the full path of citizenship for undocumented immigrants with no serious criminal background and supports the lowering of costs for naturalization and increasing immigrants' resources. She supports the Equality Act and has expressed support in protection of the LGBTQ community from marginalization due to census questionnaires. She wants to increase the federal minimum wage to $15 an hour and supports the increase of this in certain places, adjusting for inflation. Thank you, because $15 an hour won't get me shit in Los Angeles. (laughs) She supports the creation of the U.S. Department of Peace as well, which is something that isn't really a thing yet, but they're working to make as part of the cabinet, and it sounds wonderful. She also has this idea to create a program where every U.S. citizen between the ages of 18 and 26 can take one year of voluntary national service where they can help out in schools, hospitals, infrastructure, sustainability, the military, Peace Corps, etc. And I think that's really exciting and it encourages people to take like a gap year and really decide what they want to do, how they want to change the world or what mark they can make on this planet. And I think it's really cool to be able to encourage people to do those sorts of travels. I read that there There was a time in her life that she describes as kind of like her nomadic period where she did a lot of writing and things like that. Like this woman has written so many books, but she really just kind of traveled around and lived in a lot of different places and learned a lot about herself during that time. And I really wish that I had done a little bit more of that when I was younger. But I do feel like, you know, especially moving from Minnesota to Los Angeles, that was a pretty big culture shock in and of itself. I didn't need to move around too much after that. She supports the distribution of billions of dollars in reparations for slavery and is in support of returning control to Native American populations over their land and people. She also supports abortion rights and wants to fight against climate change. All in all, she sounds like a really, really wonderful candidate, although a lot of the things that I was reading about I fear will be dragged through the mud by her Republican counterparts. Um, There has been so much anti-Semitism within the past few years that's really seemed unbelievably rampant. So having a Jewish woman run for president makes me nervous because of the anti-Semitic comments that could potentially be made against her. I think also the fact that, you know, she was very popular back in the 90s for her spiritual views and is a bit of a hippie. I think that could definitely be a lot of Fox News fodder against her. But, you know, I watched the video, her campaign video that the listener sent me, and she seems like a very strong, level-headed, badass woman. I'm very interested in learning more about her and her policies. And, you know, maybe she's someone that I could support in the coming year. All right. Well, that is everything that I have for you all today. I'm also very excited because in a little over an hour, I'm actually going to be meeting with a couple high school aged listeners to answer some questions for them for a school project. So I'm very, very excited to speak with them. I'm really happy that, you know, today I was supposed to work two nanny jobs and one of them I didn't need to go to in the morning. So I'm actually going to be able to spend some time with Max today and things like that. So I'm very, very excited. And I just want to thank you all again for taking the time out of your lives to sit and listen to this show and to be so interactive and supportive of me and everything that this show is doing. I truly love you all so, so very much. 
I won't ramble on about it again, but if you do want to join the Angry Feminist Book Club, please go to the link in the show notes, go to the link in the Instagram bio, or go to patreon.com slash angryneighborhoodfeminist and choose one of the tiers to follow. If you want to get these episodes ad-free, you can also join the $8 tier, and that would be greatly appreciated as well. You do get all of the book club content in the $8 tier as well. And don't forget to pick up a copy of Women Talking by Miriam Taves to prepare for the next two episodes. I also want to remind you, if you haven't done so already, to please go over to your Apple Podcasts app and leave a five-star review with a quick sentence about why you enjoy the show, because you know it truly does mean so much to me, but it also really, really helps the show out as a business, and I appreciate that. Also, don't shy away from using those promo codes. That helps me out a lot, and I promise I only advertise for products that I truly back. I also haven't said this in a while, and I haven't made any new stuff in literally ages, but if you do want to rep any Yamp merch, there is a link in the show notes for that as well. I've kind of let Max have my iPad for the last like six months, and that's where I do all of my artwork and things like that, so that's why I haven't really created any new designs since, you know, kind of the revamping of the show and things like that, but once I have more time and I'm able to, I definitely want to create some more designs and things like that, but I mean, I'm sure I also have a lot of really talented listeners if there's any sort of artwork that you want to put together that you think would be cool merch like please send it over i would be more than happy to use it okay that is all i have for you today thank you so much for listening again with all of that being said i encourage you to rage on bye contained herein are the heresies of radolf buntwine erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.